a time for us to look back at His coming, um, but it's also reflective of, a, of another coming, an, another arrival that we're anticipating in our King Jesus' return. And one of the things I love about Advent Christmas season is to be able to sing songs that we don't typically sing through the year, that are, that are carols or Christmas hymns that are rich with, with gospel truth, rich with truths of the glory of Jesus in His coming. And there, there's many modern Christmas songs that we sing, um, but, but I, I appreciate the old ones. They, there is something about how rich and deep and thick they are with these truths, and, and many, of them, many of them help us feel uh, and express this tension of Advent, the, the beauty of His redemption that has come and that is ours, and a longing for something more. Uh, one of my favorites is a hymn by Charles Wesley. He was a, a minister um, many years ago, prolific hymn writer, um, apparently maybe some 6,500 of them that this, this guy penned. He wrote this Christmas Advent hymn in 1744 called, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. We, we love to sing that here. The first verse reads this, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. There's a, there's a ton of truth packed into this, this one verse. Uh, and I mean, think on this. this. This carol was penned some 280 years ago, and yet here it is still filling our hearts with with praise to God, creating in us a expectancy, a thankfulness and joy for what He's done and what he, we desire for Him to do. And it shows the sustaining power of a good hymn, a good carol. And one of those actually is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We just sang that also, assisted and penned by Wesley and by George Whitfield. But why, but why this one? Why, is this, why this, has this one just had staying power? Well, it's beautiful, it's poetic, but it's, it's rich with this significance, and it, and it captures what I've been talking about, this, this mood, this feeling of a long, expectant heart, a longing for something, a story of God's redemption and our assurance of what He's, di- he's done in His coming, but this, this Christian ache, a Christian ache, a hopeful ache, a longing for a more full redemption from the broken things around us, from, from more freedom, more rest, more release from sins and fear, more strength, more, more consolation, more, more comfort. Built into this hymn is the biblical themes of longing that are found throughout redemptive history in the Old Testament that's found in Israel's longing and promise for a Messiah to come, who was to come, the That word Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, God's people, Israel longed, had long suffered because of their their own sins, their their own failings, also from oppression and pain from other nations, and and God speaks words of hope to them, and and many of those are captured in the prophet Isaiah, who spoke of these these longings and promise of comfort to come. I'm going to read a few sections of this. This this Notice the words comfort throughout these texts. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity 
is pardon, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. These are just a, a few of those, but Israel did not know how and when God would fulfill these promises of comfort, of gladness, of joy, but they, but they knew, they longed long for a deliverer, a Messiah to come, and they expected him to be a king like, like no other, oftentimes viewed as a, a great military leader that would, would cast off the oppressive power of enemies and foes and set up his glorious kingdoms on this earth. But, but they didn't know. They didn't know when and, and how. But these words were true for them. They were true to bring peace and consolation and comfort from a Messiah. A Messiah that, that would come in an unlikely form that Isaiah would also speak of, that we reflected on this morning of a suffering servant who would come for the sins of his people and salvation for them. Now, fast forward hundreds of years, and we come to the Gospel of Luke. And here, Luke 2 finds his place in the first chapters of this Gospel, which, which highlights Jesus' coming. His, it speaks of God choosing Mary, his mother, to, to carry, and by the Spirit would bear this child prophetic words about who Jesus was and what we what we read about his birth and the, the stable and the angels hearing this good news. And now it's 40 days later after Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph come to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord, to offer a sacrifice. It shows their devotion to God, fulfilling the requirements of the law of Moses for them and for Jesus. And, and we, we come in encounter two people. Uh, two people who were living in anticipation and longing for this comforter to come. Two characters, characters that embody this, this patient, hopeful longing for a Savior to bring salvation, and they're, they're going to encounter him. And their response is one of joy and worship, an answer to a longing heart. And my, my prayer this morning and this Christmas as we go through this text, we encounter this story, we, we will likewise encounter Jesus. We will encounter Jesus, the one who, who is true comfort, the one who is true peace and joy that, that our hearts desperately need. And we would hear this morning the, the good news of comfort and joy. So let us read this morning and then I'll pray. Verse 22. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought up him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there were, was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, 
and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people. Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, from the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Join me as we pray. Lord, thank you for for this this Christmas time to, to stop and consider your coming. And Lord, I want for our heart, I want my heart this morning as we reflect on you, Jesus, and your, your coming, your consolation, your comfort that our hearts most desperately need. Lord, I, would you enliven our hearts? Would we leave here this morning with, with reflection of Simeon and Anna? Great joy, rejoicing, praising you because we have encountered the Christ. We ask that you do this by your spirit. Amen. So we meet Simeon, a devout man, a righteous man. He was likely an elderly man as well. And the text says that the Holy Spirit was upon him and the Spirit told him that he would would not die until he saw the Christ, the Messiah. Now we don't know when the Lord revealed that to him, the the length of time that he had been waiting. How long, how, how long had he been waiting for that day. And he was led by the Spirit into the temple at the exact moment when his parents came to the temple and Simeon sees Jesus and he knows by the Spirit who this child is that he'd been waiting for, he'd been longing for, he'd been anticipating. For he was, he was a man waiting, it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Well, this this word consolation, our our common definition is a comfort received by a person after loss or disappointment. This word here in the Greek, it it speaks of that, a a comfort. It's where we get that word paraclete, the comforter actually, by the Spirit. He was waiting, anticipating for the, the comfort of Israel from its pain, from its sins that we just read in the prophet Isaiah. 
And when he saw the Messiah, he saw Jesus, he knew the consolation had come. He picked him up in his arms and he blessed the Lord. He praised the Lord. And he said, now the servant, his, he could depart in peace according to God's words. For his eyes had seen God's salvation that he had prepared in the presence for all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. And his parents marvel at this news. Here, the Spirit, just notice how active the Spirit here is here. The, the third person of the Trinity through the prophetic words by the Spirit are validating the Son's identity as Messiah. Now, there had been prophetic silence for 400 years from the last part of the closing of the Old Testament to this inbreaking of the New Testament. And here, the Spirit is active, confirming that this child is Messiah the fulfillment of the promised one. And Simeon says, this is, this is salvation. Salvation has come. This is what Isaiah foretold to bring healing of captives set free, of joy for mourners, of wastelands turned to gardens, compassion on the afflicted, forgiveness and pardon of sins and iniquity. This is the comfort God's people needed. The main form of comfort, of consolation, will come in salvation. Salvation specifically from sins. The angel spoke to Joseph in Matthew's gospel. She, Mary, will bear a son, and he shall, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What a beautiful name. God with us. God is with us. He is, he is holding God there, Emmanuel. And he knows Jesus is salvation to save his people from their sins. It is this amazing consolation that the sins that would condemn and separate God's people from Him eternally could be washed and forgiven. But, but how will this happen? How will this child Messiah do that? Well, we, we see later in that chapter, verse 43, He, he grows up in, in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, and He would live a perfect, obedient life before God and he would come then and suffer for their sake. This is reflective of what Simeon says to Mary. Look at verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary's mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your soul also. So the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Simon is foretelling Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission as Messiah, the world will know by his message, his life, his death and resurrection, and we'll have to, have to face the Christ, Jesus, and reckon with him as Christ, as Jesus. Either they will resist him in pride and fall, or in humble trust embrace him and rise. They will, they will be raised up to 
resurrection by his life. So comfort and consolation for some, destruction in others who do not look to Christ. And this salvation will come by an opposing, opposing that will take place. A sword, he says, sorrow will pierce the heart of Mary also because of what's going to happen to Jesus. Meaning Jesus will suffer. He will also be pierced. Jesus will live a perfect life, but he will be rejected and crucified, a suffering predicted. And this suffering will culminate at his cross where he will bear the sins to bring salvation to his people, to save his people from their sins. So by his suffering, by his rejection, God's people will know the comfort of forgiven sins, the comfort of a cleansed conscience, the comfort of shame and guilt washed away, the comfort of knowing there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, but they can have full access to his presence. This is the fullest expression of the comfort we need. And this invitation is not only for Israel, but is for every nation. A light, of, a light for revelation to Gentiles and the glory for people Israel. God promised a light would come and bring deliverance for people who were in darkness. Isaiah 9-2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has shine, a light has shone. Jesus is the light of the world breaking into the darkness delivering people from their darkness, Jew and Gentile alike. Salvation that we all need, for we all have walked in darkness and live in a broken, dark world. And this is God breaking into the darkness. The prophet Haggai says, And I will shake all nations so that the desire of all nations shall come in. For all people, God will bring opportunity to experience his light. Hope of all the earth, thou art dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. This is, what, this is what the good news that the angels proclaimed. Good news of great joy for all the people. Isn't that good news? It wasn't just for some people. It was, it was for all people. No matter where you are or what you have done, this is good news for every heart. Because every heart needs this good news. Every heart needs forgiveness of sins. Every heart is lost in darkness without Jesus breaking in. And in Jesus' coming, he provides for us what our hearts most need. And by the Spirit reveals the things that we have been bound to or that we have turned to besides him. Notice what Simeon tells her. That, that thoughts of many hearts are going to be revealed. They're going to be exposed. Before God, all hearts will be disclosed, uncovered to reveal what people are truly trusting in. It will be Jesus Christ as Savior, or it will be something else for rescue, for comfort, for salvation. Getting presents for our kids and preparing for Christmas Day, it, it I'm oftentimes always brought back to the days when I would run down expectantly to the Christmas tree and uh, get to open presents, 
we did things pretty orderly as a kid, and uh, we've adopted the same thing. We, we start with the youngest to the oldest, and so that means you get to wait if you are not the youngest. But, but the strange thing happened through when I was young. When I was done wrapping all the, unwrapping all the presents, and I, I had like made the latest G.I. Joes that I had been wanting, whatever that looked like, stockings, that there, there came a point hours later where I just felt this sort of strange dissatisfaction. Hopefully no spoilers for the children in the room. I mean, here my parents gave so much, they sacrificed, they, they gifted, they supplied me, but for some reason I just I felt like I wanted more. It was, there was something I did not get under the tree. And this thing that I really wanted would just lose its luster. You think things would have changed, but they, they don't. Things don't change. I, I'm expecting to come down tomorrow morning to have a brand new luxury SUV with a red bow parked in the living room. If it's not, I'm going to be like, Hillary, what's up? How do they get those cars in those living rooms? I don't know. It's not real, really an SUV, but, but it is something that my heart, like your heart, we turn to to find comfort and hope and joy and satisfaction in that, that's not connected to Jesus. Misplaced hopes and comforts that, that only God should give us, that God wants to give us, that He's come to give us, but they will only leave us dissatisfied and empty. These past couple of years have been really challenging for us, for many of you in very specific ways, but in it all, there have been things that all of our hearts have been, things have been exposed. God has revealed something about our hearts. If only I had that, I would find comfort and joy. If only this would go away, I'd find comfort and joy. What was that longing for you? We, we all will root our anticipations and joys in something. It will be something. It will be someone. That could be success or health or money or sex or relationships, something. But this is the promise that Simeon is communicating. When God unearths those revelation of where our heart is, those false structures or misplaced affections and trusts, this is God's love for us. This is God's grace and kindness breaking in to us. He knows that we will be left empty and dissatisfied and hopeless in the end. And in his advent, in his coming, Jesus comes and he says, let it be me alone. Let it be me alone. I will bring true comfort. I will bring true hope and joy that is lasting. Yeah. Longings of every heart. The Spirit comes and, and opens up our hearts and opens up our eyes to see, and we, we see Jesus, and we want to be contented in Him. A contented life will only be with a heart that is fixed on Jesus. So where, where are you fixing your heart on for comfort today? Let, hear the Spirit's invitation to Christ this morning. The second verse of Wesley's hymn reads this, Born thy people to deliver, born a child, and yet a king. 
born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. God graciously comes to offer us to himself, us, himself to us in his advent. Jesus, who is king, even as a child, king coming so that his reign by his spirit would would rule in our hearts alone. And so that like Simeon, by the spirit, he enables us to see and trust and grow in our hope in him. Just observe his contentment, his contentedness. God promised that he would would see Christ, and when he would saw Christ, he could depart in peace. Meaning he, he would be allowed to die in peace because he had encountered the Christ Simeon's purpose was connected to Jesus. God promised that he'd see Christ, and by the Spirit, Simeon encountered Jesus. By this, his ultimate peace, he could even face death. This is the promise. This is the comfort for all of those who have Jesus by faith. We can have peace and not fear death. For our greater comfort is not remaining in this life, but having Christ. And we, we, we're able to say, like Paul, that to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Jesus is the redemption, the consolation we must have, saints. We must have. And when we do have, we can, we can face death, knowing that he's going to raise us up to his glory's throne. We're safe. This amazing, patient faith is, is seen in Anna. She's a prophetess. Scripture tells us she's been... She was married only seven years before she was widowed. Now she's 84. If married, as was custom then, maybe in her mid or late teens, and then widowed shortly thereafter, that means maybe some 60 to 70 years she had spent there in the temple every single day, fasting, praying, worshiping, a heart contented in God. Alone, yet not alone, yet not alone. And she was there now beholding, and she came to experience the true comforter face, face to face. And what does she do when she does experience this? She, she's off worshiping, praising God, telling others who are also waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Another way to say the consolation of Israel that Simeon was, was longing for. This, this redemption, the redemption that is needed, that's a deliverance. This word speaks of a ransom, a payment, an exchange. Those in slavery and bondage who are set free by a payment that Jesus came by his ransom life to set his people free from sin and darkness by his all-sufficient merit. Redeemed by his sufficient merit, a salvation that could come only by him atoning for our sins. For all those who trust in his merit, his credit, not our own, but his perfect life, Jesus is the one that we can now praise and trust in from our sins and fears has released us. His consolation comes in our forgiveness of our sins and in his victorious defeat of our enemies, like Satan, as just mentioned, like death and fear in the middle of all that, and a comfort that that can only come when we are suffering and 
some of those things seem imminent. In recent months, I've been able to witness a dear sister who has had in her past a prolonged battle of crippling fear and anxieties over, over sickness that may come or death that may be, may be faced. And there was a, some startling medical scares that required some tests, and, and, and I got to see and hear her talk about the, the crippling, debilitating fears of death change to hopeful trust in the Lord. A deep comfort in Jesus, in God's plan, regardless of the diagnosis, for her to say, even if that means I, I do die, I know that God is going to be with me. I know that it's in his plan somehow to get more glory through that. That is divine comfort. That is a gift from the comforter. Spending time in this text made me think of my, my brother Mike Jagger, who sits right here normally. He's sick and he's home today. But Mike, if you don't know, has a progressive, he's been progressively losing his sight and hearing. That could lose, he could lose both. But if you've been around Mike, he's full of joy. He, he sits right here and he, he puts his clip so he can hear the sermon because he wants to hear the word of God. And he's holding his Bible because he loves God's word. And it, he's told me he's just, his faith and trust in God has only grown and increased in the loss. How can this be? It is a comfort. It is a consolation that only Christ comes and gives his people. Because we have a Savior who entered into this world so that we could find comfort and grief in our sorrows because he was the one who was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. It's why Corinthians tells us that he is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we could be comforted and that those afflicted hearts could find joy and gladness even in the sorrow and grief. Jesus, in his incarnation, comes to people that need consolation, redemption. That's you. That's me. For people burdened with sorrows that are in darkness, that are lost in sin, his advent shows us that he doesn't come to people who are deserving of, of such things, who have it all together, or that can earn it, or that can merit it. It's actually the opposite. It's his gracious love this condescending consolation that, that compels them, that moves them towards people who desperately need it, who cannot get it themselves. Broken, outcast, lost in darkness. He came down. He entered in. And he doesn't require us up to go, to go up. He comes into our life. This is comfort God initiated. It is comfort that's seen in a father who, who rushes towards a, an injured child and embraces them and pulls them into his comfort. See, our sins and our sufferings compel our Lord. It compelled Jesus, our Emmanuel, to come in and brought near to us. So in Jesus' coming and in his comfort, our hearts are, are pierced by conviction and opened up, but it is, it is warmed and comforted by his love. 
If you're here this morning and, and you do not know this comfort, this salvation, I, would you turn in faith and trust in Jesus today? He came for your consolation. He came for your salvation and your forgiveness and, and the joy that your heart most desperately needs. Simeon and Anna capture something about Advent. One, there's a celebration of the comfort and joy that has come, but, it, but we know this is a continued longing. This is, this is a longing for something, a, a, something more that we do not fully have. Simeon held up this, ba- this baby, a tiny infant, a little over a month old, and yet, yet was assured that this is the Savior, and yet what Jesus was to do was still 30 years off. Hope and faith in God for a future day, a salvation yet realized, a comfort there yet worshiping and trusting God, anticipating and longing for something beyond them. A rescuer that had come, yet a greater rescue ahead. And this is us, church. We, we have received Christ. We experience this in part, and we, we long for something else, what we call the already, not yet. And we, we wait with hope. We, we wait knowing that, that Jesus has things he's still yet to do. Maybe that's you waiting right now, your longings. It's, it's a longing for some of you praying for redemption in a loved one. Maybe it's God to answer and move in a situation. We still wait. And we also wait for his return. We wait for a greater consolation, his second coming. And why we wait, we, we like Simeon, we need the spirit, the helper, the comforter to strengthen us and empower us as we wait his return. When we will see him face to face. And our response will be like them with great praise. So Christians, that's why by faith we can experience deep comfort in Christ and be a people that are sorrowful and yet always rejoicing. We find peace and joy in our Savior. So let, let us, this Christmas, let us remember that our, our true comfort and hope comes with faith in the, our consolation, Jesus Christ. Let us find comfort and hope with the Spirit's help. Let us find comfort and hope with, with ongoing, continued Every day, we return to patient hope, worship, and trust upon Jesus, our strength and consolation, the joy of our longing heart. So this is the word for us this Christmas, that, that may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, our God and Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort. Our eternal comfort is secure, saints, and good hope through grace May he now comfort our hearts and establish them in every good work in word. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for coming to to us, initiating, moving towards us, Emmanuel, the, the consolation, the comfort our hearts most need. Lord, would you, would you gladden our hearts this morning in that comfort? Lord, gladden our hearts in that comfort. And, and may, may we be reminded this morning that in all the deviations of things we've looked to or the joys, Lord, there, there's, a, 
There's a place where we can find forgiveness and renewed joy and new, renewed trust in you, Jesus, being the thing that will satisfy. Grow in us, Lord, in an anticipation and a longing to see, the, see you, Lord, as the one who will. And wait, and as we wait for your, the fullness of your salvation and comfort to come, Lord, let our faith grow. Let our, our worship grow. Let us be like Anna, just a, a greater and intensifying trust and in, tr- worship upon, upon you and hope in you. So God, help us to marvel. Help us to marvel at this news as Joseph and Mary did. Marvel at the good news of you, Christ Jesus. Let, us, let, let that joy overwhelm us. Wherever we are in the place of sorrow and grief and lament in the broken things we have encountered, Lord, would you bring joy, comfort, good news, gladding tidings of comfort and joy to us. And Lord, let that joy be something that's expressed that the broken world around us that is in darkness would be able to see as well. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Lord, comfort those who mourn.